Side Hustle Show 246, How to Start a Subscription Box Business, from Spare Bedroom to $15,000 in Monthly Recurring Revenue. What's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, because your 9 to 5 may make you a living, but your 5 to 9 makes you alive. We're kicking off a series of episodes this month on the theme of recurring revenue. This is predictable income month after month, which really makes life a lot easier, less stressful, and gives you peace of mind for budgeting and marketing. So how can you build recurring revenue for yourself? This month, you're going to hear from four different entrepreneurs with four very different business models, but they all have a recurring revenue component. First up is Sam Gonzalez. He's uh, he's a cop. He's a full-time police officer, former NYPD. He's uh, a husband and a father of two, but starting out of his spare bedroom, he's built a subscription box service called UrbaneBox.com to $15,000 in monthly recurring revenue. It's a stylist service where the value proposition is Sam's going to send you $120 worth of great looking clothes for 60 bucks. And you don't have to spend time shopping. It just comes to you and you're constantly uh, keeping your wardrobe up to date. So stick around to hear how Sam came up with this idea, how he landed his first brand partners and customers, and how he's grown this thing all while working full time. Notes, links, and a free downloadable PDF highlight reel summary are at sidehustlenation.com slash Sam. Before we dive in, let me take a moment to thank today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is the affordable accounting and bookkeeping solution for freelancers, entrepreneurs, and side hustlers like us. Invoicing and time tracking is built right in, so when it's time to get paid, think FreshBooks. And as a Side Hustle Show listener, they're hooking you up with a 30-day completely free trial at FreshBooks.com slash Side Hustle. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Sam after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. Like you can only imagine trying to find time to shop was very limited, difficult. And to be honest, you know, in my spare time, I'd rather not go to the mall and shop. I wasn't the biggest <laughs> fan of shopping. So rather than, do, you know, spend my time going out and uh, shopping at malls, I like to watch, you know, sports or anything besides that. But over time, I realized that after a while, after getting invited to like special events, social gatherings, I would go in my closet and I'm seeing like the old stuff dating back to high school and college. And I'm like, I really don't have much to wear. And it's not really because I didn't have the money to shop. It's just working full time and having more priority obligations. I mean, my wardrobe kind of kind of just tanked. Yeah. So I started looking into like styling services, clothing subscriptions, something where it's easy, something where I didn't have to put any effort into uh, looking good or building up my wardrobe. During that time, uh, that was like three, four years ago now, um, there was only a couple to choose from. So the couple I did find were either too expensive. The selection of brands were very limited. Like uh, one service, it was just their brand. So I thought this niche idea was kind of cool since it wasn't oversaturated yet with competition. I was like, you know what, let me just give it a try. So I decided to create my own service that was more affordable and kind of offered different types of brands from uh, big established ones to up and coming ones. That's pretty cool to say, hey, look, this is a personal pain point of mine and I'm going to go out and solve it. What happened next? Well, the first thing I did was just create my business uh, with New York State. And then after that, I had to kind of research how to build a website. I mean, in high school, I took like C++, Cisco networking. So I was always kind of a little techie. I taught myself HTML a little bit in high school. My first two years in college was uh, computer programming. Before I switched majors, I was like, oh, programming is not for me. <laughs> okay. So I kind of had a, a little bit of a background on it. And I think that kind of gave me a little bit of an advantage. It's not like I was kind of 
clueless completely on, on HTML and programming. So when I got this idea, it was like, hey, let me just start a website. But I first started my first website with uh, BigCommerce. It's almost like Shopify. Okay. But unfortunately, it, it wasn't set up to do what I needed it to do for, to offer this type of service. You know, I, the style questionnaire, for example, was kind of more of like a, a form that you just fill in. It just wasn't appealing and it wasn't interactive with the customer. And the website just couldn't serve the purpose of what we need it to do. Okay. So I ended up looking up other ways I can create a website. And I came across WordPress. What I love about WordPress is open platform. So there's tons of plugins out there that you can use if you're not too familiar with code. But what I love about it is that if you, do, you are familiar with some coding, you can actually customize certain plugins and customize your website to do certain things that you need it to do. So I, I spent probably a good month, month and a half, I would work at the police department, get home, put down my son to bed, and then I would work on my website and I would work on it from 8 p.m. to 1 in the morning, go back to bed. And then on my days off, sometimes I'll be up almost 24 hours. Jeez. <laughs> I was kind of OCD, I guess. I was very determined. I'm like, I, I'm the type of person that if I start something, I want it to be completed and I can't really rest until it's done. So I kind of whipped up a website after a month and a half and I kind of looked at my competitors and see what they were doing and how can I compete with them. Um, so my main focus is to have my website just as good as their website. Okay. Well, this is good because this is the, the hustle period that not everybody wants to talk about. Like, yeah, I pulled all these all-nighters. I was like up to one in the morning doing this. And at this point, there are no customers, right? None. I, I mean... I hit a, a part in my life where I was like, I just probably did the stupidest thing ever. I just invested five grand into clothes. I didn't have tons of cash in my savings. I'm like, I got a wife and a son to provide for. I'm like, it's a pretty dumb move I just did here. And after four months, I didn't get a single customer and I almost quit. I'm like, I, I guess I was pretty naive. Unfortunately, I was naive thinking, oh, you throw up a website, the traffic will come. Unfortunately, that, that did not happen. I quickly had to uh, research why it wasn't happening. And I realized that, oh, my website's brand new. So I focused on like search engine optimization, did all my research there. And, and I started doing some to get my first customer. I actually used AdWords, Google AdWords. What was, what was your wife during this time? Was she supportive of this or was she thinking you're crazy? Unfortunately, she thought I was kind of crazy. She wasn't f- full blown with it, but I just went for it. I just had that vision. And unfortunately, sometimes people will tell you not to do something or don't really have your support you for it. But I just had a, a good feeling about it. I had one of my coworkers I told at work, we're on in the patrol car. And I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. He looked at me. He's like, that's not going to work. He goes, my buddy had the same idea of clothing, selling clothing online that that didn't get nowhere. So instead of getting mad or you know, defeated, I, I kind of use that for fuel. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to just prove to these people wrong. I, I, I think I got something here and I think I can make it successful. Okay. Tell me, tell me, so the, the website WordPress is free, hosting is really cheap, but you mentioned the five grand in clothes. Tell me about that as, as part of the startup cost here. Yeah. So I uh, invested 5,000 in inventory and I had reached out to a lot of brands by email, went down to New York city to project NYC, got a couple brands that wanted to work with me. Got a lot of no's, but after I gained a couple brands, uh, got them on board, I had to invest in some inventory. So I invested about 5000 into inventory. I probably invested about maybe 500 or so into the website. But like I said, uh, I did a lot of it myself, so I probably saved a lot of money. 
So I just went down, invested $5,000 in clothes so I can have some form of inventory. And once I got a few customers, you know, I would ship it. I would package it in the spare bedroom in my room and, and just ship it out. Um, and I also had to also invest in boxes with my custom logo on it Okay, as well. And what's that process like? Because I imagine you're, you're not rolling up to Nordstrom or the department store and just like buying stuff off the shelf. Like you're trying to work with these brands directly to cut deals. Yeah. So they got trade shows. Whatever you sell and retail, there's a lot of trade shows for that specific industry. So for example, boats, if you're selling boats, there's a trade show down in, in New York City and in the Java Center for for boats and okay. uh, and and also in the Java Center is is clothing. So you go to these trade shows and there's tons of brands from big established brands to up and coming newer brands who are trying to they're either just out of college, fashion school, and just trying to get their brand out there. So I went to these shows and uh, I got a lot of no's. What was your pitch like? What, what how did the, how did those conversations? Well, well, I kind of was a little crazy. Like me, I got. Like I said, I'm a little OCD. I got the idea. I started the business. I got the business name and everything from New York State within a week. And two weeks later, I'm down in New York City with no website or nothing. <laughs> just a sheet of paper, a pad, and, and a pen just to kind of write things down and pass out business cards that I made. It was difficult. I went, I went you know, kind of pitched my ideas to these sales associates that, that kind of looked at me crazy um, when they found out I didn't have any website. No sales, nothing to show. Yeah. So I ended up getting, I lucked out. I got like two out of that show. I was fortunate enough to meet a guy named Parth Sharma from uh, Brand Breeders. Uh, he uh, does a different bunch of different brands that he makes and has made overseas. He was actually my first brand I was able to add. So once I got that one and two and three of them, it started to get easier because I end up landing like Mavi Jeans, which is uh, they're big in Europe and bigger in New York City. So once I got one bigger brand, the other ones will find out that uh, Mavi's now working with me. Okay. So they decided to give us a shot and we just built it up from there. That's that's kind of crazy. I love the hustle of going out and say like, here's my thing. Do you want to take it? Although you're still paying, I mean, you're still buying product from them. So they don't have a ton to lose. It's just like, how are you going to represent their brand, right? Exactly. They look at how you're representing them. Certain brands have an image they, they want to uphold. And they're, some of them are very tough in their selection process of who they want selling their brand. Yeah. Okay. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. 
So you get a couple of people to say yes. And then so you plunk down five grand on inventory on faith and say, I think this is going to work. And you, you're able to put together like your first month of box of, of like style guide from that. Or like, tell me what happens next. What happens next is that I waited three to four months to get my first customer. I didn't think it was, I'm like, this is by the worst idea I ever had. <laughs> and next, you know, I, I finally get a customer. I'm like, wow. I was excited. I'm like, I didn't expect that. I'm like, okay, I got something here. And what was strange is that I got a customer and then the next day I got another customer. Within that month, I had like 20 customers now. I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, I have all their sizes. These are coming through AdWords? Yes, I think the majority of them were coming from AdWords. And then at that same time, I was reaching out to YouTube reviewers and I had a lady named Jen who was my first YouTube review. And she was kind of like, her channel was kind of getting bigger. She wasn't like huge, but she had a, a decent amount of followers. So she did a, a YouTube video. And then I saw that a lot of the people were getting after that too were from her. Okay. Did you have to pay for that review? Actually, no, I just gave her, I told her she can keep the clothes for her husband. Okay. So it was kind of like a barter. Okay. So I didn't really have the funds to start paying people. So everyone I would email was like, hey, for I'll let you keep the clothes, you know? So a lot of the first reviews we had were just uh, bartering as payment until we were able to kind of get enough revenue coming in to reinvest it to pay for more advertising for us. Okay, so AdWords, if, if you're not familiar, is the kind of Google's text-based advertising platform where if somebody is typing in, you know, stylist service for men or something or whatever keyword you want to do, you know, Sam's ad can pop up and say, hey, have you heard of Urbane Box? You got to check us out. Were you breaking even on those ads or what was, what was going on? After a while, I noticed that AdWords was just too expensive. To be honest, not to this day, I don't. I haven't used AdWords in three years. Okay. I found that I was paying a dollar a click, which when you're starting up a startup with no investors, that's going to crush you when you have a mortgage to pay and miles to feed. So at that time, like I can't afford AdWords. So once I started seeing some traffic from YouTube and and I started looking into Facebook. And I just fell in love with Facebook because so I'm like, wow, Facebook, I can promote stuff for $5 and get a lot of impressions on it for today. So Facebook started doing really well for us. And over the next few months, I'm, I was starting to learn what worked with Facebook and what didn't because it's kind of crazy because Facebook, there's different strategies you can use. And during that three months, I found out what worked, what was best for for my money for only $5 a day is nothing, but I made the most of it. And I was able to come up with a strategy to kind of get as much impressions as I can for my $300 a month that I'm spending on Facebook. And then combine that with search engine optimization, blogging a little bit more on my website, reaching out to bloggers, reaching out to YouTube reviewers. And this, the combination of three is my website traffic started increasing quite a bit. Okay. Let's go, let's go back to the Facebook thing. This is kind of a way similar to AdWords, right? Where you can, you don't have to wait around for Google to index your site. You can get in front of somebody right away if you're willing to pay for it. And so on Facebook, hey, I've got a budget of five to $10 a day. What were you doing to stretch that, to reach as many eyeballs as you could? What I realized about Facebook is that if you put up an ad and you're paying for clicks to your website, just like AdWords, you're going to be paying, depending on how they rank it and relevance of what you're trying to sell. But you can be paying anywhere from 25 cents to 75 cents per click to go on your website. What I first did was to try to increase my followers. So the first month, or I would say the first few months, I would pay $5 a day for Facebook likes. Once I got to about 1,000 Facebook likes, I ended up switching my strategy to promoting 
a post that I make in my newsfeed. Because I quickly realized, because I was testing a lot of different things, I realized that if you promote something on your newsfeed versus creating an ad on Facebook for website clicks, you would get more impressions. They show it to more people because they give you all the numbers per day. And I was seeing that if I post a catchy picture and and, uh, and advertise what we do on my newsfeed, and then I promote that, what's going to happen is that all my followers will see it. They will like it and they will share it. And then their friends will see it and like it and share it. And then I also would put in, follow our page and get a free outfit. And we would pick a winner after we get like a thousand new like that we get. We'll do like a free raffle and we'll ship out a free outfit to that person. So I quickly realized that that was gaining a lot of likes on our website and also getting us a lot of traffic versus, like I said, posting an ad on Facebook. You can pay 25 cents where the other way of posting on the newsfeed, I think I was averaging like two cents to three cents each impression per action. So I was getting, not only was I getting clicks on my website, I was getting likes, I was getting shares. So it kind of worked out really good for us. So I didn't realize that until, like I said, a a few months kind of messing around Facebook, I quickly learned that that strategy was working for us. Okay. I'm on facebook.com slash urbane box. You want to check out his page, closing in on 20,000 likes, which is awesome. And these posts have some love on them, you know, 100 likes on this post, scrolling down, 98 on this other one. So these are doing well for you. Yeah, the the 9800s that you're seeing there, those are mostly are, right now I'm seeing about 50 to 100 likes for ones that we're not even promoting. The ones that we are promoting, if we run it after a week, we're approaching over 1,000. Oh, wow. Okay. So the, a lot of the 90, you know, 50 to 100 really depends on how many shares it gets, but we're averaging anywhere from 50 to 100 likes for each thing we post on our news feed right now. And that's without having to promote it, which is great. But I found that what we post, will tr- you have to kind of figure out what you post that will trigger a reaction. My first post, some posts I would post that we would get maybe, we would have close, you know, over 15,000 likes and followers. And yet I'm only getting like 10, 20 likes on this picture. So I end up finding out there's certain things and certain pictures you want to pick catchy pictures and use catchy phrases. And even if you're advertising a, you know, I use a lot of hashtags. I feel like hashtags are huge. Even on Facebook? Because it kind of looks like an Instagram post with all the hashtags. Yep. Yep. With the, Even on Instagram and on Facebook, we actually have it all linked. Instagram, we post on Instagram, it's going to post both on our Facebook and on our Twitter. So Facebook and Instagram. Instagram, we just started actually, I would say last year last last winter and that slowly is increasing to instagram is another one that we find that's doing really well for us okay all right well i just i just liked your page so i'll check out what's going on over there perfect i appreciate it tell me about the blogger outreach was that similar to like reaching out to youtube reviewers yeah i would just try to i use google search and i was look up fashion bloggers reviewers there was a lot, a lot of the bigger ones you, you don't ever hear back from. You know, I didn't expect to. I mean, they get hundreds of probably thousands of emails a month. I kind of just focused on anyone I can get. So even if I found, came across a blogger that their website is not great, but they have good content on their website and they're writing about clothes and fashion and we would send them an email and say, hey, this is what we do. This is what we like to do and like to work with you. And, and if they would respond, we'll 
like I said, we would barter clothes for them just to kind of give us an honest review. You know, give us a bad review if you want. Give us a negative <laughs> review because we know it's not like we're paying them much. We're just telling them they can keep the clothes that might be good for them. It might not be good. Yeah. Um, so we, we went about it that way. Anybody slam you? You know what? Knock on wood, no. <laughs> okay. We've had some honest reviews. I, I mean, never had anyone knock us yet. You know, you get the customers knocking us, but we deal with thousands and thousands of customers. And I quickly realized you can't make any customer happy, but we try to. Yeah. That's one of our goals is to reduce our churn rate. And that's one thing we focus on is like our number one thing that I am full hard on is just having my heart set on making sure every customer is happy and, and try to make them happy if if they're not. So we're very flexible with our customers and it goes a long way. We still have, you know, I'm proud to say, I still have my second and third customer ever from three years ago and they're still with us. Wow. Is there anything else that you've done you think reduces churn? This, this is like the silent killer of any, of any membership-based business. It's like, well, people stick around for three months and then they fall off. Yeah. I see there's different stages of customers that we even have. I mean, we have customers that are with us for one package and go, but our average, I would say, is six months or longer. But we have members who've been with us for, like I said, three years, two years, a year. What we focus on is first is quality of clothes. We try to find brands that are good in quality. And we also want to give you a great deal too. We want to provide an affordable method for you to build your wardrobe. And I think what has helped us is that our cost is, it's one of the cheapest ones out there, if not the cheapest. And the quality clothes we send, we really kind of strive to find clothes that are just good quality. And if it's not good, and if we get feedback on a certain brand that was not good and they didn't like it, we'll stop carrying that brand. So we're, we're always kind of evaluating what inventory we have, what brands, and see which one's working for us, which ones are doing great. And I think between that and also just me being very hands-on in my business, I think also help our churn rate because when the owner's emailing you, apologizing for the clothes not fitting and we're going to take care of it, take care of you, or your shipment arrives a little late because our fulfillment center was a little late on it, I'll go ahead and reimburse you, you know, $20 for, for any inconvenience. And just, those are little things I think customers appreciate. And okay. uh, once they see that, they want to stay with you. Yeah, it's a personal a personal touch. So the pricing today is $60 per month per box. Was it always at that price point or have you experimented with some different levels there? We first experimented, we had like two memberships. It was like $89 and $169. Okay. That was our when we first started, that's what we did. And uh, we saw a lot of people sign up for the 89 and then we saw some same more people sign up for the 169 and we would say you know the 169 we're sending you like a top and bottom of high-end stuff we tried doing that for a while and realized that the business model wasn't as good as it could be so then i decided to kind of switch it up and do what trunk club and bombfeld does instead like trunk club doesn't really offer discounts off the retail prices we're like you know what we're gonna offer at least 20% to 40% off retail prices. We're going to do the high-low pricing strategy that most retailers use out there in department stores. So we started doing that. So instead of having a set price, we, we did that. And you would get 10 days to try it on, and we won't charge you, and only charge you for what you keep. That sounds like a logistics nightmare of like, well, now you got stuff going both directions, and it's... Oh, yes. It was difficult. I quickly... I would say I was doing that for like two years, and... Uh, I started to see that to retain customers wasn't easy because one, 
the revenue stream wasn't there. So I had to upfront a lot of the cost. So I'm taking a chance. So I'm taking a chance that this guy's going to pay for yeah. it. This guy's going to like it and keep it all. So you have a lot of upfront costs that I had to pay for out of pocket. Once I started seeing this problem, like this is not a really great business strategy, to be honest, because you got people trying to scam us here and there. And so I'm like, I got to fix this. So I started to look up what else could I do to kind of another price, maybe price point that would help. Once I established good connections and a report with a lot of the warehouse and brands, I was like, hey, you know, I'm thinking of doing a low $60 membership, flat membership. They only pay $60. We're going to send them at least $120 retail worth of stuff. So once I was able to kind of agree to pricing with warehouses and different brands to say, hey, this is a price point we need to be at to be profitable and sustainable. Once they dropped and they agreed because they're like, hey, we'll we'll try to push out a lot of your inventory. I think this is great to help both of us and help you push out your inventory, help us sell stuff and also help the customer get a hell of a deal. So once the, I, I started getting those brands, I added, added a $60 membership and and ever since, it's been doing really well. Between that and our regular membership combined, now they're both are doing well. And I think it's a combination of, of having both memberships and they get to choose which one they want and what's best for them. Yeah, that's awesome. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. So you started shipping the stuff like out of a spare bedroom in your house, in your apartment, and you just have like that initial five grand worth of inventory stacked up to the ceiling in there. How does the fulfillment process work? That, yep. <laughs> yeah. So I had it in the room. It was a spare bedroom in my house. 
it was running out of room. It was a small little room and we had things on racks folded and I had the computer in there. So an order would come in, we would pack it there. Me and my wife would pack it and then ship it. So it was at first I was just using paper and pen before I started using the e-commerce platform. What are you using today? I'm using uh, WooCommerce for, for WordPress, but since our service is very unique, I did have to use some custom code and kind of change things with WooCommerce to do certain things that I needed it to do. Did they support like the recurring monthly payments? Yeah, ex- exactly. Okay. And then also connected to our, our style quiz and kind of WordPress connects our style quiz that way. But yeah, so I was like starting out with pen and paper, putting everything, writing everything down and shipping in my room. And then I would buy the postage on USPS. I would just go on their website, buy the postage and... I had a P.O. box, so it looked more professional and not coming from my house. <laughs> so I had a P.O. box where they would, the returns would get sent. So I would schedule a pickup or I would drop off the, the packages before I head to work or after work. And then I would, I would go to the P.O. box to pick up all my returns. And, you know, I did that for a while. And then I, and I started realizing we're investing a lot of our time shipping stuff to our customers. And it wasn't smooth sailing, meaning we couldn't. We started like not being able to ship out the packages fast enough. And we're getting to the point where we're shipping enough to use a fulfillment center. And I decided to make the switch to use a fulfillment center so we can now focus more on our marketing and advertising and kind of focus on growing and scaling our business rather than stuffing boxes and packages. When did it make sense? At what volume did it make sense to start outsourcing that to a fulfillment center? I'd made the switch once we were doing over 200, I would say. 200 shipments a month. Yeah, in 200 shipments. That didn't include all the returns as well, too. We had a decent amount of returns for sizing issues. So once we got about 200, I was like, it's definitely time consuming. It would take about a week. And the way I had it set up wasn't the best. It, we weren't keeping track of SKUs yet or anything. So I was like, this is going to become a nightmare if I don't fix it quick. So I ended up using Fulfillment Center and, and we ended up taking down our SKUs and keeping track of inventory and ship it to our Fulfillment Center. Okay. And um, now now it's like a smooth, it's smooth selling right now. It, you know, they, they're great so far. We, we put in the orders, we go to trade shows, we know, we look at the clothes before we buy them. So we know what's good quality. And then we'll have We'll see in our end, in our, in our dashboard, we'll see what we have in stock. So if we were putting something together for someone that wants slim fit jeans and a slim fit shirt, we'll know. And we also see all the, his style preferences. We'll go ahead and put that in into the system. And then the fulfillment center will get that. And the fulfillment center will, will put the package together and ship it for us. That's yeah, that's awesome. Trying to remove yourself from from that process, from that that spare bedroom business. So you've come a long way. I mean, you've done a lot of stuff in three years to build this thing. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, yeah, it's it's just crazy to think that three years ago I was just in a patrol car and I had this idea, and some people laughed about it. And next, you know, now they're all, "Why are you still working here?" Now I get that question. Why are you still working here? Why don't you do that full time? Like, why are you so? I get that all the time, you know. And now, you know, our my service was was on the Today Show and it, it, it was on uh, The Price is Right. And it's one of those things where people are like, man, it's amazing to see that you grew up from the spare bedroom of your house into a legit business. And it took a lot of work. Now, did you pitch The Today Show or like, how did they find you? No, I actually used a marketing agency for like a month or two and it just wasn't converting it's, and for us. It was just too expensive for a startup. I quickly realized I can't afford this. This is, you know, they were getting us in some magazines, blogs here, but they were, they were 
big time or anything. I was very polite about it. I'm like, unfortunately, I'm not at the stage. We're not at the stage in the business to be able to pay a marketing agency. We're a startup. And like that's one recommendation I would make for anyone is do your own marketing. So I decided to reach out myself to newspapers and magazines. But this marketing agency, which was, was really cool of them to do, uh, I stopped using them and they understood. I was a startup. They under, understood what I was trying to do. And they actually reached out to me after like two months, three months of me stopped using them. They're like, hey, the Today Show wants to do something on subscription services for gifts ideas. Oh, okay. And uh, we thought of you. Would you love to do it? I was like, yeah, oh, get course. me on board. So it kind of was the luck of the draw and kind of like definitely appreciated for them reaching out to us. And it definitely helped us. And then the Price is Right just, just came across us. I just got an email. They came on came across our website, sent us an email wow. uh, saying, hey, we'd love to work with you. And we're working with them. We've been on the show now twice. They're going to do it another, at least another five, six times. So it's been kind of cool to see how far we've grown and how we're continuing trending up. That's awesome. So you saw a spike from the Today Show. I'm curious, going back to your partner's question, driving around in the patrol car, do you see this becoming a full-time thing or do you want to keep doing the, the police officer thing? Well, you know, I love, I love what I do both. I, I love being a police officer and I also love being an entrepreneur. I always had this entrepreneur kind of burning spirit inside of me. I always thought, what could I do? You know, I, I want to be successful. I always want to be successful. What can I do? But I think if my business got to the point where it didn't make sense for me to stay as a police officer, then I would contemplate hanging it up. I do have seven more years before I can retire. Is it a guaranteed pension at that point? And you're like, ah, seven years, I can, I can hold out. Yeah. It's, that, that is the one thing, to be honest, that's the, probably the only thing keeping me is the financial pension I put in. It, don't get me wrong too. I love my job, yeah. but pl- being a police officer is hard, especially where we work. We handle a lot of calls. It's an, you know, it's an urban uh, city. So we get a, a share amount of, a lot of calls and, and it can be dangerous. And my wife and would love for me to retire and leave, but you know I, I do love it. And unless it got to the point where it didn't make financial sense for me to stay on the police department, I'd like to stay as long as I can. But like I said, I, it is probably holding me my business back a little bit because I am growing it little. I'm, I haven't let loose my business. I think my business has a lot more to grow. I think I got it prepared and groomed enough to grow and kind of scaled. I haven't reached out to investors. I did have a little itch to do Shark Tank. I sent an email and I heard back three times. They passed me to the second round three times and I didn't proceed. I I deferred. I didn't want to move on. So it's one of those things where I guess I'm just going to take it one day at a time and see what happens. As of right now, I'm still hustling on both. Um, I work hard at the police department. I work hard when I'm out, you know, when I'm not there. But my wife did leave her job. So now she's working on the business full time, which is a huge help. Okay. Okay. Well, it's awesome to have that kind of flexibility and say, hey, look, I don't necessarily need to stay working, but I, I'm here because I like it or here because, you know, I want to be of service. I think that's really cool. So Sam, anything you would do differently? Like if you had to look back, would you, you know, do something to accelerate the progress or you're kind of happy with how it worked? I'm happy for how it worked. I think I can't really go back and say I would have done anything differently. I guess I kind of beat myself up sometimes. I'm like, oh, I wish I started the $60 membership three years ago because I would be at a really great position right now. 
but you live and learn. You know, I didn't think about the six dollar membership until I saw, you know, my sales kind of dropping a little bit and just seeing the revenue stream. And so it's kind of like you learn. I learned what worked, what didn't work. And I think as right now, I think I'm happy. I'm looking at my business as a marathon, not a sprint. I think it's progressing in the right direction right now. I think you're good. Sometimes you got to go through it to know what works, what doesn't. And and I like it. I, I'm I'm excited for you. I think this is a cool business. Again, urbanebox.com. Sam, let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. I would say patience and perseverance. If you have a, an idea, a business idea, just know that success doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take a lot of hard work, determination, but don't give up. You just got to be patient. And it sometimes it can get hard. And you just got to push through. As long as you are hardworking and you put your nose to the ground, and you just dig and you just do what you got to do. It will succeed. I mean, and if it doesn't succeed, at least, you know, you tried and do something else. Try different ideas. But my number one thing is just be patient and use perseverance and just hold on and, and good things will come. Patience and perseverance. That's the ticket, Sam. Thank you so much. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is an award-winning accounting software that gives you an organized and professional way to get paid. And one thing FreshBooks really prides themselves on is their customer support. They don't have any automated phone menus, and everyone in the company actually starts working in the customer service department. So you know what? Let's call them up and see what happens. Hi, thanks for calling FreshBooks. This is Richard. How can I help you today? Richard, you got me on the first ring. <laughs> For sure. We want to keep you guys on your toes, too. Well, I'll tell you what. You are live on the Side Hustle Show podcast that FreshBooks is sponsoring, and I just wanted to do a live on-air feature to see how quick you guys would pick up the phone. Um, awesome to meet you. What's, what do you like best about working for FreshBooks? Uh, definitely culture. <laughs> and the customer that we have to talk to every day. Well, very cool, man. Thanks so much for taking the time and, and for proving the, uh, the fanatical customer service there. Sounds good. Have a good day. <laughs> you bet. Bye-bye. Here you go. Culture and customers. You can tell Richard loves his job. If you want to try FreshBooks free for 30 days, go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle or enter the side hustle show in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle for your free 30-day trial. All right, my top takeaways from this call with Sam, number one, solve your own problem. Sam validated this business in a couple important ways. First, he was his own target customer, somebody who cared about dressing well and looking good, but who didn't want to spend a ton of time or money on that process. And second, there were already companies out there offering a similar service. So it wasn't completely uncharted territory for either customers or the brands he was trying to work with. Takeaway number two is to be obsessed four months before seeing a single customer, rolling up to the fashion and apparel trade show in New York City with nothing but an idea and spending every night working on the website. Sam was obsessed, and I believe it was that obsession that kept him going until Urbane Box started to see some traction. Takeaway number three is it's easier to keep a customer than to go find a new one. While Sam mentioned eventually outsourcing his fulfillment um, to focus on marketing, I think one of his strongest marketing weapons is actually his customer service. To be three years deep into a subscription business and to still have some of your very first customers still on board, I think that's really, really powerful. Now, most recurring revenue businesses like this one fight the battle of growth versus churn. Like if you can add more customers than fall off each month, you're growing. But if not, you're going backwards. And in Sam's case, it seems like they put 
a lot of effort um, into the lifetime value of each customer to keep them uh, of each customer to keep them coming back, which is undoubtedly easier and less expensive than conquesting a new customer who's never heard of you before. Notes and links for this one, along with a free downloadable PDF highlight reel with all of Sam's tips are at sidehustlenation.com slash Sam. If you like what you hear on the Side Hustle Show, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app so that you never miss an episode. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, we're exploring the theme of recurring revenue this month. So if that appeals to you as it does to me, I hope you'll join me for the rest of the series. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where you'll meet an inspiring entrepreneur who built her financial independence on the back of short-term rentals. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.